We'll get everyone as Wesley here from Business Blessings. We're up to episode 21 of our Sacrificial Succession podcast. Paul, we're talking about pioneers and settlers today and some language of old as we go through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... Uh, as I as I was going through this, I thought, you know, perhaps pioneers and settlers may be uh, in today's uh, woke age, um, uh, you know, regarded with some suspicion. But it's more about the roles that they play, you know, in um, pioneers start something new, you know, they have a vision for something that perhaps doesn't exist or certainly doesn't look the way they see it in their mind's eye and then people who settle go on to develop that, you know, their pastoral people as the word pastoralist, you know, is often used. Uh, They go and develop and improve and farm. And so, you know, what we have learned is that it's combinations of these people that have been, you know, really important to the success and effectiveness of what we've done. And of course that needs to be mirrored within a succession. I I suppose, you know, one of the things that I've seen having the, you know, the great opportunity of being able to work across multiple countries and cultures on large scale is that we naturally tend to produce monocultures, you know, in both churches and business, you know, where the pastor becomes the um, really the the key person and that pastoral skill and you know the manager in an organization um and yet uh, we have to be very careful that we get the right combination of people especially when we're thinking about a succession so that we don't um you know monocultures are highly productive they are also very vulnerable to crisis and chaos Um, And so those things have to be kept in mind, you know, creating a monoculture can be quite dangerous in an organization because you're, you're seeing yourself in others. And then we tend to employ those people, develop them, favor them. um, And that's not always a good thing. No, because you can get very focused on this and create that same thing. You're duplicating after yourself, which suits certain situations, but, organizations also have a life outside of that that they need to grow and expand and you need that kind of person to do that as well they do yeah um actually paul it reminds me of uh when pam and i spent time in saudi arabia and the uh, the compound we were on it was interesting because it wasn't um any missions organization or anything that was controlling what was happening on that compound but god had brought in an evangelist to start a group and she was there for a couple of years. And then the next one God brought in a, was a teacher and he grew the group. And then he brought Pam and I in and we had some crossover with the last one and we were more partial care orientated, which was actually um, interesting because then we focused on um, getting them all baptized and all this kind of stuff that was going on in it. And I thought, man, God, you organized that. You brought people from different parts of the world in for what this particular group needed right then and there. Uh, and to grow and and I was um, fascinated that God is in control of evangelism and growing his church and we need to listen to him and partner with him uh, in doing that so that's a little story absolutely and that's a really good example and you're right I mean that's exactly what um, God wants done 
That's right. That's right. Well, let's have a look. The scripture you've got for today is 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, which would have been Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. The different people have different roles, and we need to recognise that. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I'm conscious of is the uh, covetousness. Like one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments is do not covet. And often we look at somebody else's role and think, um, you know, like I have a good friend who's an evangelist and he, you know, people are getting saved left, right and centre around him. And I've often looked at him and think, why am I not doing that? But God keeps saying to me, yes, but where's that's not your gifting. That's his yeah. gifting and he's very good at doing. Your gifting is something else and you need to focus on that as well. And covetousness can really stuff that up sometimes or jealousy. Yeah, yes. it can. Um, and also... You know, we, we all tend to um, sort of fear what other people think about us, you know, so when people perhaps criticise us, um, you know, I think about the context for this verse is that, you know, Paul was actually being criticised by, in this particular case, the Corinthian church or people within the church, you know, perhaps because he wasn't... Uh, you know, pastoral enough, or he wasn't sort of enough of a settler um, because, you know, he didn't speak like Apollos or preach like Apollos. Um, and he didn't stay in one place for long periods of time. He was always off on his new uh, mission trips. Um, and so it's interesting there that he was strong in his defense of what it was that he was called to do and what he was gifted to do. And he wasn't afraid, you know, um, of some of the perhaps negative comparisons that were being made about him. He was confident. He was a pioneer. He recognized these pastoral and, and settling skills in some of the others like Barnabas and Apollos and Timothy and Titus, but he was very clear on what he, his role was and he was comfortable in that and i think that's a really important takeaway you know for us it's something i'm still learning um it's so easy to when you hear other people criticize um you or point out where you you, you know you mentioned early you're lacking or we do it ourselves we don't need anyone else having the dialogue we have it within our own heads yes. so it's like i'm not as good as that person or i wish i was like you know um and yet paul understood his role was important as was the role of others working with him and he was very clear in helping um the corinthians to understand that and and we see that don't we in it because paul was very good about getting out there doing the missionary journeys building churches but then he was also confident in bringing in barnabas and apollos and then Timothy and Titus to build on those things as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think he had, like many entrepreneurs do, pioneers, he had a very, very good insights into people because, you know, if you, re you recall that there was, a con there was a conflict with Barnabas because Barnabas wanted to bring this young guy probably at the time called John Mark along. Now, Barnabas is obviously a settler. He's a... A pastoral person because his name was son of encouragement yeah. um, but Paul recognized that for pioneering work 
John Mark was not suitable because later on, he says, when he was in prison and needed care, you know, pastoral care, um, he said, please send John Mark to me because he'll be a great encouragement to me. And so um, it's also important to understand the people that, you know, need to come together to make something happen. Exactly. So this is... (laughs) And um, I wonder, sometimes I look at, you know, some, some of what the people said about needing a king and Samuel talked about this is what a king is going to do, that, that actually we, that God knows exactly the kind of person that you need to grow the organisation at the time. And sometimes that can actually be very great grading on other people because it's not where they want to go, but there's this bigger picture about what needs to happen to move forward as well there is and you know one of the things that um is often uh touched on in servant leadership and certainly what we've learned through sacrificial succession is you know the importance of um recognizing exactly that is you know god warned them that a king was not going to be suitable um for their for their time Um, but they went ahead and did it anyway. And then Jesus warns the disciples, you know, don't behave as leaders like the world does, uh, where those in authority lord it over you, where those who are over you, you know, they, um, you know, really revel in that uh, authority. We've all seen it, um, you know, and that's not just in secular organizations. We've all seen it. Uh, We hate it. It's terrible, um, and we just uh, need to choose people who are sacrificial and, and are willing to serve others, and that's why it's so important to observe people over time. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, two, it's the, your successor, and we've raised this quite a bit, is they may not necessarily be in the same mould that you're in as well. Absolutely, and it's interesting um there's a paper that's written by a guy called neil perkins um and it's uh he he calls it a structure for continuous innovation and that's exactly the point he makes you know he talks about in his case pioneers settlers and planners and he says you know pioneers make future success possible settlers make the possible future actually happen um and then you know he continues is that the planners are those who can help actually make something scalable. And so even within that, you can see that there are generations of um, leaders, uh, but they play different roles depending in a sense on the life cycle of the organisation itself. Yes, and it's those terms that people, like, like they, they seem rather old-fashioned, but, but they actually do fit in with what we're talking about here so that the pioneers the ones who go in and i seem to be clearing the land you know preparing the way but paul one of the things i've noticed it's it's that pioneer needs to know when their time has finished and then the transition over to a settlers and then transition over to the town planners and, and that's where it gets tricky isn't it yeah yeah well, we were talking about this with a group of um leaders that I mentor last night is that um, if we're not intentional about things, um, especially 
in succession and the sort of sacrificial leadership we're talking about, these things don't happen. That you you must be intentional about them. They don't happen by accident. Accidents happen, but they tend to be bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, by God's grace, as you say, God often brings people together, you know, the, the right sort of components, if you like, as you mentioned before, your compound in Saudi Arabia, the right people came along at the right time. But you've seen, I, I know, um, yes. you've got, I've got enough gray hair and I can't see any gray hair on you yet. But oh, it's coming through, it's coming through. There. <laughs> but the reality is we've seen so many train wrecks where we just, you know, it's sad because we think if this person had been intentional about thinking about these stages and the sorts of people and preparing a successor who was like that and intentionally thinking through this process a bit more, being reflective, you were talking about this before we started our podcast, how important reflection is and yet so often we've got no time for reflection you know too busy can't reflect gotta just get going um and uh that's uh dangerous because we miss stuff don't we and we can we can roughshod over people and make things kind of worse and particularly if you're a pioneer and you're so driven to get things going and get things established um that need to stop and reflect is very very key particularly it is yeah yeah it is and i was thinking one of the examples that came to mind when i was thinking about uh this this time with you uh wes was um the the case of moses you know he was an incredible entrepreneur um and yet it took uh someone who wasn't even one of his people you could metaphorically say may not have even been a, a believer in a sense Yes. Uh, in his father-in-law who was able to come in uh, perhaps because he was more the settler than Moses was the pioneer and recognized that despite all of the incredible things that Moses had achieved and was doing and even the great people that were gathered around him, um, Moses was having trouble delegating. Um, and so he was able to pinpoint and say, unless you delegate, you're going to burn out. Um, and to uh, Moses's credit, which is often where people tend to fall down, is he took that advice um, and did something about it. See, it's, it, it's key to be able to listen to what other people are saying, to which is the reflective part too. Is, is okay, let, let's have an open conversation. Who are the people that we actually need to go to for advice to do that? And often they come um, left field sometimes. Sometimes I think... Uh, oh, maybe- they do. Yes. They do. You're absolutely right. And, and that's where I think we have to be very mindful about this monoculture. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and that, you know, I'm in no... Um, way saying that we don't listen to professionals you know you listen to your doctor you listen to your accountant what i'm saying is that as a rule they are not the ones that identify things that are if you like left of field 
or out of the box. Yes. Um, and so this is where monocultures come in, where we only listen to professional advice. We only listen to the people from our church or other Christians. We only, you know, read this perspective on things. Yeah. Uh, and yet so often what I've found is that it's when we just go outside of that you know, and Jesus says that in, in the parable of the shrewd manager, he, he, he's very clear in his advice. He says, you know, oftentimes it's the people of the world actually are much more shrewd in the way that they look at things than the people of the light. Um, and so essentially what he's saying is listen to them, foster relationships with them, invest in them, build currency, literally and figuratively with them. Um, and so yet so often we don't do that. We, we become insular or monocultural in the way that we take advice. And so we don't give an opportunity to listen. You know, uh, when I was doing my um, doctorate, that was one of my focuses in uh, multinational companies, how monocultural we, we, be, we are, even though we're multinational. Yes. Um, uh, we don't live up to the multinational um, standard of listening to what's the local intelligence telling us? What are the local people saying? What's the local mutterings and murmurings of what's going on? Because so often that is the difference between being able to handle a crisis or chaotic incident um, in the sort of places where we were doing business, which are crisis um, prone countries or chaos prone countries uh, we were we needed to listen that was the only way that we were able to re really protect our business operations from the sorts of you know force majeure type um, challenges that we were often faced with you know Paul it's interesting like if you look at Maccas you know you can go to I mean, one of the good things I think about McDonald's is wherever you go in the world you know you're going to have a clean toilet but so they're a bit monocultural, but they've had to, they in themselves have had to adapt to what is happening in country. You look at what McDonald's is in Australia is very different to what McDonald's is in the U S is what very different to what McDonald's is in India. So as like, there's the structure, some of the same, but some of the outworkings of that, it's very different. Oh, absolutely. If you look at Indonesia, you know, yes, they do offer fries, but as a rule, it's rice. Yes. That's offered with their uh, meals because that's what people eat we eat potato here and bread yeah. so yeah it's interesting and you're right there are some standards in a sense that shouldn't be allowed to change but there are some things that it's really important that we recognize we need to interpret things differently here yeah i know it's i, I had this funny thing i was in san francisco at a meeting and i looked at a couple and i thought I think you belong to a specific denomination just because of the way they looked. And sure enough, they did. And he just, like, you don't realise. And, and look, it's nothing, you know, they look good. They were very well presented, all that kind of stuff. But it was just something about the way they did their hair and the way they did their dress. I thought, I bet you're from a particular denomination. And they were. So that kind of thing can happen uh, very much so. So, so we've really got to be very intentional about guarding against this monocultural thing happening, don't we? And just yeah, moving forward. 
And it's being intentional, you know, it, it sounds like a broken record. I think I've said it, I don't know how many times <laughs> in this podcast, but none of this happens by accident. I mean, yes, you're right. God overrules, brings people together. But the problem is often the case, certainly that I've learned and I'm learning. I'm, I'm by no means an expert at it yet, but that is God often brings the right people along, but we don't notice them because we're too myopic in the way that we uh, look at, you know, people who we regard as being the people we should be listening to. So, Paul, how do we guard against this? Because it is, I mean, as you know, I'm dealing with this in a, in a specific organisation at the moment that I'm a, on a board member of, that, that it, we, we can tend to be very, very narrow-focused on those things. We can. Uh, absolutely right. And, I mean, we learn this... Um, early on, we first started some of our pioneering projects because the people that we tended to work with were pastoral, you know, as in they were settlers. And we were working in partnerships, uh, you know, in Myanmar, we worked with 25 local organizations who were our contractors and then they uh, chose subcontractors to do our pioneering leadership work. Um, the challenge was that because most of those people were settlers and not pioneers, they tended to choose settlers rather than pioneers when what we wanted to send out were pioneers to start new work. And so we ended up realizing in the first cohort of people that we employed or contracted uh, that probably only 30%, maybe a little more, 40% of them were genuinely pioneering. And so we had to very intentionally change the whole recruitment process so that we um, didn't just have settlers making the choice of who the successors should be or who the recruits should be. We had pioneers, settlers, and planners. Um, you know, we had entrepreneurial people, we had pastoral people, and we had people who were able to manage to scale and plan to scale. Because um, remember, we're talking, you know, we had 200 contractors um, on the ground working in Myanmar and many other places as well, which were highly chaotic. Um, and so we needed those sorts of people involved in our leadership to make the right choices about our recruits and about our successors working together with us, advising us, guiding us, who understood. And that involved, as I think I shared with you, uh, also changing the composition of our boards as the organization grew, you know, so as we moved towards a more, say, settler pastoral focus and preparing people, as you mentioned earlier, that was the role you played in, in, the, in your Saudi Arabian compound. Hmm. We chose more of those sorts of people to be on the board than pioneering, though we always kept those people on because they had left of field views yes yes so paul we've got to be able to know the discerning of when you're moving from one stage to another too because that's getting that right yeah is very tricky 
yeah and that's yeah we 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 can see that um broadly when we sort of take a i guess a a a a larger view of of the bible and the work of of jesus um you know he took around about three or three and a half years to identify his disciples work with them uh, you know warn them remind them there's a time coming when i'm not going to be with you that was at 33 years of age they were probably thinking you know or maybe in 30 years time um but that's the time it took we can assume looking at paul's missionary journeys from a big picture perspective they tended to take about three years that would mean that he was working with uh, pioneering people while he was going out. That's why we don't see too many letters written to pioneering people because they were with him. Um, but we see his epistles written to his successors who were pastorally gifted and who stayed on to do that work. That's why we have them yes. because he was still investing in them. He was still sustaining them, even though he'd handed over and was going out. And so, you know, um, they recognized, uh, Jesus recognized the stages and, and, and continued to remind them of what that looked like. And Paul obviously was the same. He understood what those stages looked like. And we need to, um, you know, be aware of it. But secondly, it's why it's so important to have your Jethro's or your Ruel's who come from left of field, who can see something that everybody else misses. No one in Moses's team came and talked to him and said, look, this is not working. Um, you're going to burn out. How are we going to handle all the, no, it took someone who was not even part of their people. Uh, wasn't one of the, the group, wasn't one of the organization, wasn't even one of the crowd, so to speak, to, to be able to say, hey, I've seen this, uh, you need to change it or you're going to burn. It, uh, actually, I had a funny experience yesterday. I was called in to, to talk to someone and then uh, I took some notes and we um, discussed what was happening. But when I was coming home just to write up some stuff about it, I thought, hang on a minute. There is, they haven't taken into account this, 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 and this because they're so close to the situation and, and the board has been working and working well, but there's, there's some stuff that they're not doing. And, and I can see that it took someone from outside the organization to come in and say, Hey, this is, this is an issue here because we can get too close to the, uh, what is it? <laughs> too close to the forest. That we, too close to the trees. We can't see the forest, you know, be having that ability to take that step back and see what's going on is very, very, very key. It is. And, we, you know, you, you talked about it this morning, reflection. Yeah. Reflection, you must take a step back yeah. <laughs> to be able to reflect or a step away. <laughs> yeah, a step away. And, and that's um, uh, because I was listening to a podcast on the design school from Stanford yesterday, and they're, and they're actually building reflection into their their business programs and things with their students because they're saying to them, hey, you've got to do this. And it's not something that you build in on Thursday afternoon for two hours. It's something that you build in as, as part of the lifestyle. Um, because um, yeah. cause the, the other thing that, that actually interesting that we're talking about is that the unintended consequences of innovation and change because you actually don't think through 
what does this mean? And, um, you know, talking about monoculture, one of the things I'm concerned about is the algorithms that we that are using us when we're looking at social media. It only feeds us the stuff that we're looking at. So it doesn't. So you've got to be very intentional about, hang on, I need to look outside the box here to see different things. What are different people doing? And sometimes that takes going to a school of thought that is way outside of where you normally think to see that occur. It it does. And it's one of the things that I, I've learned in uh, seeking out mentors is that, um, and I always advise this with my teams as well. We talked about again with this um, uh, young leaders group last night, and that is don't seek mentors who are in your field. Be very intentional about seeking out mentors who are out of your field of interest, you know, your field of expertise, whatever field you're working in, seek out mentors who are completely outside of that, you know, and I've done that. Uh, So one of my mentors is a pastor. Um, Another one is a farmer. Um, People that are completely out of um, my, you know, I, I, I think I'm probably pioneering, I suspect, would be you know where my sort of gifting and calling is although i'm still learning and can do much better but that's kind of where i probably fit so i need to recognize that in in mentors don't get a mentor who's the same as me get a mentor who's from perhaps the planning school (laughs) and one who's from the settlers uh, perspective yeah. or the pastoral perspective because yeah. they will give me insights into things that I'm doing that people who are like me are not going to give me because they're just like me yeah yeah that's right and and <laughs> the thing that I've discovered Paul is that when you do that people look at you a bit funny hang on a minute look you're not within my denomination you're not within my thing are you sure that I'm the person that you're actually after but then but then the, the the ones that are good will recognize that as well yeah yeah absolutely and I, I learned this uh when we had a big project in indonesia because one of the people who helped me succeed in that project um was someone completely left of field and everyone could not believe that um, this person, he was the one who came and gave me advice for free, um, helped me to get into a couple of places in Indonesia that were um, Muslim majority um, regions and everyone was amazed that I could get into that. Well, that was because this uh, person um, came from that community and uh, he was uh, the one who was willing to help and give advice and give input. And I value uh, what I learned from him to this day because it helped me to see that principle in Luke 16, that principle of um, being a part of uh, something that in a sense is flexible enough and intentional enough that the insights of someone from outside of that group, um, you, you actually give it currency, you listen, you value it. 
um, and, and you put it into practice. And I did. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, it's what I like about you, Paul, is you walk your talk. <laughs> in doing that. But- I, I do that. I, I, I'd rather not be tripping over any more often than I have to, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Okay, so as we wrap up today, some questions. Are you a pioneer, settler, or planner? And, and uh, Paul, this is, I think this is really key, that you actually need to know what your gifting is um, in doing that. And when you flow in that, that, that it, it makes all the difference, not only to your own life, but to those around about you as well. It, it does. And, and I'm careful in that word because I'm not talking, you know, about a sort of, psychological or parapsychological um, gift checklist. Um, I, you know, I use two words, gifting and calling. Gifting is something that we're good at. Yeah. Um, that we've been blessed that we're good at. Calling is making sure that, um, you know, we're actually heading in the direction that we have a sense we're supposed to be heading in. And I've got to say that those two don't always fit neatly and that's actually good you know if everything's fitting a little bit too neatly um as as i say in the book you've just gotta start to ask questions because it's um it's not healthy you know if everyone's talking from exactly the same playbook um that's not healthy you you need those you know, disparate sort of voices and you need to be listening to them and know those people and be spending time with them. It's, uh, I mean, we could go into a whole big discussion about calling and gifting here, but it's like, it's interesting to me that God often calls us to do something that is way out of our comfort zone. And it's, but he, he's gifted us to almost get us so far, but where we, we actually need to involve other people in that and work with others to see it achieved and accomplished because that's what, because what he's called you to do is not just for you. It's to release so many others as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, the beauty of that is it's only when, you know, we, we talk about these things like we're doing now. It's only when we spend time reflecting (laughs) really that's what we're doing here we're reflecting on the importance of having these people in our lives and leaderships as well as being able to step back or step aside uh, long enough to be able to observe perhaps where are we in this cycle um, in our organization um, or business yeah no that's really good the prayer to finish off, Lord, help me to recognize my pastoral or pioneering calling and for faith and faithfully fulfill it with the gifts you have given me. And I think that's um, faithfulness is so, so key in this whole area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. Another great podcast. And we'll look forward to next week as well. Yeah. Thank you.